0: Uh, Cell phones on silent, please. And uh, let's make sure that we focus in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where I'd like for us to go. I will allow the following people to be dismissed because I don't want to waste your time. Um, If you have never been frustrated you can be dismissed because that's what I'm preaching about. Brother Matt's going to go. He has never been frustrated. If you have never been frustrated, you are free to go. If you have been, I encourage you to stay because this might help you. But now's your chance. If you're going to stay, I'm going to assume that you've been frustrated before. All right. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. I want to preach. I will title this message, Living with Thorns. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. So you have three heavens, right? So the first is where the birds are. Second is where all the space junk is. And the planets. And then third is where the throne is, right? He that was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. He's talking about himself, and the only reason he's finally been dragged out this experience that he had of being caught up to the third heaven 14 years after the fact is because the Corinthians are getting all impressed with these false apostles who are coming with all of these credentials and letters of recommendation from organizations and stuff. And they're trying to call Paul's reputation into question. And he's saying, you know, if, if they want to glory in the flesh, I could do that and I'd put them to shame in doing that. But I'm not going to do that. Let me tell you what I actually will glory in. Not my earthly credentials, but this. This is what he says. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh Not going to glory in what the false apostles are glorying in. I will rather glory in my infirmities, even though I could glory in my flesh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Lord, I ask that you would reveal this passage to us through your Holy Spirit so that we can change our mindset and our viewpoint about thorns and frustrations. We ask this for your sake, for your glory. Help us as a church to grow tonight. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When we say that we have been frustrated, we're not only talking about an emotion, we're talking about an obstruction. Figuratively, we're talking about an emotion. Oh, I'm frustrated about something. However, we have to go further and say the reason that we are frustrated about something is because we've been frustrated by something. So to say that we are frustrated or to talk about a frustration is not only talking about an emotion, it is also talking about the obstruction itself. So if you tried, if you opened up a lemonade stand and your goal was to raise $100 and you only raised 50, you would be frustrated. Emotionally, you would be frustrated, but also you would have to say something stopped you from raising your goal. Maybe a lack of consumers, maybe weather, whatever it is. The weather frustrated you. Let's say it was rainy or let's say it was cold. Nobody's trying to buy ice cold lemonade on a cold day. So you did not reach your goal, so you would say, I'm frustrated. You are emotionally frustrated because you did not reach your goal, but you were frustrated by the weather, right? So if you are trying to walk 1,000 steps, but you only walk 500, you can say, I'm frustrated. I did not reach my step goal. Now I have to ask, why didn't you reach your step goal? Maybe you say, oh, I got too tired. Okay, well then you're, you're I need to be careful here. You frustrated yourself, right? Or maybe, maybe an injury took place or somebody called you and said, I need you to come here. Something frustrated you. Something impeded you. The, the word frustrate means to break, okay? It means to, it means to interrupt. It means to block. It means to disappoint. It means to impede. So you had a goal of walking a thousand steps. You only had 500. You are frustrated because you did not reach your goal, but something stood in your way and therefore frustrated you. We're not only talking about the emotion, but the obstruction. Maybe you have a goal to lose 10 pounds. You only lose five. You're frustrated by that. Maybe you are looking for the lead role in a play, but you only get to play a tree in the background. You are frustrated at that point. You are frustrated emotionally because you did not reach your goal, but you are also frustrated by the brat who got the lead role instead of you. Maybe you have an ideal in your mind and you fall short of that ideal. You're frustrated by the fact that you fell short, but you are also frustrated by whatever made you fall short. Maybe you want a promotion, gentlemen, but you do not get the promotion. You're frustrated by not getting the promotion, but you're also frustrated by the person who got it, right? We all know what it's like to be frustrated. Something or someone is stopping you from achieving what you want to achieve. That something or that someone is frustrating you. Now, we need to be clear about what we're talking about here in the message. For Christ's sake, we are talking about frustrations that we face for Christ's sake. We can call these a lot of different things, obstacles, impedances, impediments, whatever. Paul calls it a thorn. Something came in my life for Christ's sake, that kept me back from achieving what I wanted to achieve. I don't like it when I read um, commentaries and things like that, that, that say Paul's thorn in the flesh was sin. No, no. Did he deal with sin? Romans chapter seven teaches us that, absolutely. I don't like when commentaries say, or, or people even preach and say, his thorn in the flesh was was a temptation to sin. If you wanna call it a trial, fine, but it's not a temptation. No man is tempted of God, right? But then also, is it in Paul's character and is it in the Bible teaching anywhere to say, I will glory in my sin. I will take pleasure in my sin, which is what he says at the end. We're not talking about sinning here. We are talking about something else. And in fact, I'll give you some options straight from the text. I think it's how many different options do we have? One, two, three, four, five. Five different options that the text gives us of things that stand in our way from achieving what we would like to achieve for the Lord. They frustrate us. The first one Paul calls infirmities. Infirmities, and then he goes on to reproaches. And then he talks about necessities. And then he talks about persecutions. And then he talks about distresses. Those are all frustrations, but they all frustrate in different ways and in different modes. So Paul is bringing out in this passage here, there will be times in your Christian life where you will know what you are supposed to do for God. However, your own physical lack or your own mental lack will keep you from doing what you know you're supposed to do. That is an infirmity. An infirmity is an internal frustration. There will be times when you will know what God wants you to do or what you are supposed to do for God, but you will lack the physical and mental strength to do it. Have you ever run into that before? Is that not relatable? This is what you're supposed to do, but you are not physically strong enough to do it, or you are not mentally strong enough to do it. How you could put it is, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. Paul goes on. There will be times in your Christian life when others tell you you can't serve the Lord in that way. He calls that reproaches. While infirmities are internal frustrations, reproaches are external frustrations. People will stand up and tell you, you can't do that. And you'll begin to believe them. And then he goes further. There will be times in your Christian life when you will know what you're supposed to do for God, but you will lack the resources in order to do it necessities is what he calls it. And you can study out, he uses that word in a couple different areas. I need something in order to accomplish that. For instance, there will be times in your Christian life where you will know what you are supposed to do for God, but you will lack the money to do it. You will know what you are supposed to do for God, but you will lack the materials in order to do it. There will be times where you know what you're supposed to do for God in your Christian life, but you lack the vehicle in order to do it. You lack the transportation, or you lack the space. Whatever it may be, there, so you have infirmities, which is internal frustrations. You have reproaches, which are external frustrations. And you have necessities, which are material frustrations. Then he moves on. There will be times in your Christian life when you know what you're supposed to do for God, And nothing physical or mental stands in your way. But the devil and the devil's people will do everything they can to stop you from living for the Lord. Persecutions. So what are infirmities? Internal. What are reproaches? External. What are necessities? Material. What are persecutions? Infernal, infernal frustrations where the devil, you just know the devil's fighting. Right now, Brother Hernandez in the Amazon basin is running into a material frustration with the Bible Institute. He doesn't have the money to pay for the land that he needs in order to start the Bible Institute that the Lord told him, this is what you need to start. He knows what the Lord is supposed, to, is, is telling him to do, but he is facing material frustrations. He is, he was facing, uh, necessities. And you know what? There are also people telling him, you can't start a Bible Institute in the Amazon. He is facing reproaches. He has also been hemmed up in, in, in a hospital bed for about a month at a time where he really needed to be working. He was facing infirmities. But then also the government leadership is coming down and saying, no, you're not gonna start that here. That is persecutions, infernal frustrations. He's facing all of them right now. We could go through our church. I could go through your life, but we're not done. We're not done. There will be times in your Christian life when you possess the physical and mental abilities to move forward and you will see no Criticizers, You will see no pessimists standing in your way, reproaching you. And you will have no lack of material standing in your way. And you will see no spiritual attack standing in your way either. But you will also not see the path to take. You will not see any direction from God. Distresses, that word literally means to be straightened. To be hemmed in. You'll be stuck. That is supernal frustrations. Where, Lord, I have the strength. I have the courage. I have the money. I have the resources. The devil's leaving leaving me alone. And people are leaving me alone. But you won't tell me what to do. You're going to face all of those frustrations. Point number one was I don't know how to do it. Point number five is I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I have no direction, no light, no guidance from the Lord. I have everything else that I need, but nothing from the Lord. You're going to run into those frustrations. Paul had a frustration. He calls it an infirmity which tells us something physical, something mental was standing in his way. We don't know exactly what it is, but we can make some deductions. We have a problem with his eyes. We know that. There was a problem with his eyes. First of all, we learned from Acts chapter nine that he was blinded. And usually when you have a personal encounter with the Lord, it tends to stick with you. It did with Jacob. He limped for the rest of his life. I know know the feeling. But then also, I mean, he was blinded for days and the scales fell off of his eyes, but we make some deductions from scripture that it stuck with him. He even said to the Galatians, when I first came to you, I knew that some of you would pluck out your own eyes and give them to me. And that's when he says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Where was the blessedness that you used to have? You would have plucked out your own eyes at one time and given them to me, but now you hate me because I tell you the truth. There might've been a problem with his eyes. There might've been a problem with his speech. We learn from 2 Corinthians that people said his speech was contemptible. People wanna say that he had a stutter or that he had a lisp or that he had some impediment with speech. Moses did apparently, and we don't see it in scripture. I don't see Paul's impediment of speech in Acts, where he's standing up in front of rulers and seems to be speaking very fine. Now, maybe that was through stuttering the entire time. I do not know. All that we know is that he had an infirmity. He said, I have an infirmity, and he called it a thorn in the flesh. I have an internal physical or mental lack that is stopping me from achieving what I would like to achieve. Now, we don't need to know exactly what it is in order to see the point. Here's the point of the passage. He had a thorn. He had a thorn in the flesh. His thorn was an infirmity, and it was frustrating him. It was keeping him from achieving what he wanted to achieve for the Lord. And it led to spiritual persecution because along with the thorn came a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Buffet means constantly beat. So apparently, spiritual persecution came along with this just to always remind him you are not who you could be. And so Paul got to the point where he prayed, Lord, take this away from me. Remove this thorn. He prayed once, no answer. The thorn remained in his life. So he prayed again, no answer. The thorn remained in his life. And he didn't just pray, he says, I besought. He begged, he pleaded, he cried. He beseeched the Lord, please, with tears, please take this away from me. I am frustrated. I'm being held back. Would you please take it away? I cannot serve the way I want to serve living with this thorn. I am not who I could be for you because of this thorn. Would you take it away? Can you relate to that? What was Paul trying to do? Be exalted above measure? Would you take this away so that I could lift myself up? He had no ulterior motives. I'm asking you, have you ever been frustrated with something in your life and prayed with no ulterior motive? You just said, Lord, if this was gone, I'd be able to serve you better. If this was gone, I'd be able to do more for you. I want to serve you more, but I'm frustrated by my health. Y'all are quiet, which either means you're thinking or I've lost you. Have I lost you? We're thinking. Okay, I want to serve you more, but I'm frustrated by my health. I want to serve you more, but I'm sick. So I can't go out on Saturdays like I know I'm supposed to go out on Saturdays because I'm sick or I can't walk that far. That's frustrating to a Christian. That's frustrating. I know what I'm supposed to do, but my body is standing in the way. Or an injury, frustrating. It's frustrating. You stay on it for too long, it starts to hurt. Just to remind you, you're a moron. This is frustrating. Limping around everywhere, not being able to move as fast as I'd like. And you know me. I want to serve you more. Lord, heal this thing and I could, I could serve you better. Heal my sickness and I can serve you better. Take away the disease and I can serve you better. Or have you ever prayed, Lord, I want to serve you more, but I'm surrounded by negative people. And my family keeps telling me, no, you're not going to go there. No, you can't go to Bible college. No, you can't go to college. No, you can't be a missionary. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Or you try to tell people, hey, I'm thinking of taking this next step. You? (laughs) Okay. And you start to believe them. Lord, I want to serve you more, but the reproaches. So can you change their minds? Can you change their hearts? Can you bring them on the Lord's side so that I don't have to fight them anymore? Or have you ever prayed, Lord, I want to serve you more, but I, I don't have the money. I, I want to be able to do this. I want to go to Bible college, but I'm broke. Right, right? Anybody, anybody, anybody at all? Hello! Hey, hey, I, I want to be able to do this, but I don't have a car. I want to be able to do this, but I don't have the degree. I want to be able to do this, but I don't have the space. I want to be able to do this, but I don't have the equipment. Could you provide? If you would provide for this, I could serve you more. Or you say, Lord, I want to serve you more, but the devil won't leave me alone. And the world won't leave me alone. I am buffeted by my coworkers, I'm buffeted by the government, I'm buffeted by all of these spiritual attacks. Would you deal with them so that I could serve you more? Or, Lord, I want to serve you more, but you're not telling me what to do. I have the resources, I have the mental capacity, I have the physical ability, I have all of it. I even have a bunch of people encouraging me to do it, but you won't tell me what to do. Would you please tell me and I'll go where he leads? I'll go, but you're not leading. I could do so much more for you if I wasn't living with this thorn. For this thing, I love that language, for this thing, I besought the Lord. It's like you could hear the contempt in for this thing. I besought the Lord thrice, that he would remove it from me, that it might depart from me. Three times, God said no. The third time, God explained why. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Okay, stop, 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 stop. This is where I could very easily just go on and preach about grace and start swinging from the chandeliers and God's grace is always sufficient and night is darkest before the dawn and on and on and on and on. And God loves you and grace, grace, grace and uh. and, and yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not belittling grace. But usually, when we hear messages preached on this passage, God's grace is sufficient. Our usual reaction is, (sighs) okay, okay, because here's why. Yes, the Lord is telling us, "My grace is sufficient," but on the other, another portion on that plate, okay, "My grace is sufficient" is the medium-rare steak, cooked perfectly. But right next to it are the bitter greens. That means the thorn stays. And you can't just eat the steak. You've got to eat the bitters, too. Ms. Maria, you have to eat the greens, too. The broccoli, the lima beans, the peas, all of it. You've got to eat it. The pickles, the cucumbers. What else, Brother Scott? The okra, you've got to eat it. You like pickled okra? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So, we like my grace is sufficient, but our usual reaction is, mm. okay, because here's, here is what the passage is telling us. No, I'm not going to heal that physical malady. No, I'm not going to give you the mental capacity. No, I'm not going to take away your depression. No, I'm not going to take away your anxiety. But I'll give you the grace in the sickness. Okay? No, I will not remove the negative comments. I will not remove that section of pessimists who are constantly in your ear. Nope but I will give you the grace to handle the negative comments. Amen. Right? Right? Amen. We'd feel bad not amening the grace of God because it's so wonderful. It's so amazing. It really is. I love the steak. The steak is great. But those bitter greens are staring me in the face. I still got to eat those too. What this passage is saying is, is no, no, there will be no miraculous supply of resources. You are not going to get a million-dollar check in the mail. But I will give you the grace to wait. I will give you grace in your want. No, I'm not just going to plop down a new car in front of you. But I'll give you the grace to handle the jalopy that you drive. okay. No, I will not remove the spiritual attacks. I will not stop the devil from attacking. He could. He could. The devil is at his beck and call. God could easily say about Heritage Baptist Church and your family and your marriage and your kids and your, leave them alone. He could easily say that. But what this passage says is sometimes God says, no, no, I'm going to let him keep barking. I'm going to let him keep shooting. But I will give you the grace in battle. (sighs) Okay. That's the usual reaction. No, I will not give you light. No, I will not give you the leading and the guidance that you're looking for. But I will give you the grace to handle the dark. Okay, now wait, that was not Paul's reaction. That was not Paul's reaction. Paul's reaction to that answer, Paul's reaction to the, to the steak and the bitters was most gladly, therefore, I will glory and take pleasure in my infirmities. That is a very quick and very drastic shift in mindset. Paul starts this passage by saying, I begged God three times to get this thing out of my life. That's a big deal to him. It was a big deal to him. He begged and he pleaded with tears on his knees, take this away. And it ends with him saying, I will glory and take pleasure in it. That's a big shift. That is a sudden shift, a huge change in mindset. And I wanna know why he's able to make that shift. I wanna know how he's able to make that shift. Because whenever I've heard this passage preached and I think of my thorn in the flesh and the preacher comes up and he preaches about God's grace. Yes, love God's grace. It's always been sufficient. Praise the Lord for it. But this stupid thorn is still here. So, how is Paul able to say, grace, thorn, not grace, thorn? I, I, he, he is taking, you would think, you would think he would be saying, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in sufficient grace. Most gladly, therefore, will I take pleasure in grace. He didn't say that. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in what is, what is frustrating me. Most gladly will I take pleasure in what I have just spent months of my life, possibly years of my life, begging God to take away three times. What, how, why? Option number one, Paul's a better Christian than me. He is, he is. Okay, I've, I've never even started one church. I've only pastored one church. I haven't pastored he is a He is a better Christian than me, right? I get that, but that is not why he's reacting this way, and in fact, I'm getting a little sick of the excuse, church, of, well, I just can't be Paul. Why not? Why not? It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. Well, what did I mention the other day? Well, we all can't be Abby Bingham. Yeah, we all can't be an 11-year-old Christian. Well, we all can't be Stephanie Garza. Why? Why? Well, she's just, she's a Christian who chooses joy. The reason you are not Stephanie Garza is not because Stephanie Garza is so much more special than you. It's because she chooses joy and you don't. Oh, but her circumstances, huh. Oh, there goes that argument. There goes that. Well, her mom and dad, oh. Her mom and dad what? Well, all the money she's, and the car she, and the support system, no, she just chooses joy. It's a cop-out when we say, oh, well, I just don't do that because that's them and not me. The only reason that is them is because they chose to be a Christian. So if I want to say, well, I'm never going to react to God's grace and my thorn the way Paul reacted because Paul's just a better Christian than me. And I can live with that. You can live with that. You can live with that. Tell God you can live with that. Will you give that excuse to the Lord? The one who fearfully and wonderfully made you and commanded you to be joyful. Is he going to look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Option number two, God gave Paul more grace than me. Nope. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Teaching all of us. Teaching all of us. God is no respecter of persons. The grace that Paul has access to, I have access to. The same ocean of grace that he jumped in, I can jump in. The problem is I'm just dipping my toe. Option number three, option number three, this drastic shift came. He's either a better Christian than me. No, I don't buy it. I, I, yes, he is, but that's my fault, not Paul's. God gave him more grace than me. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Option number three, I'm missing something here that Paul didn't miss. I'm missing something in what God told him just in that little phrase, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm missing something because that is the only thing that stands in between Paul begging God to remove it and saying, I'm, I will take pleasure in having it and I will glory in having it. One statement, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So what are we missing? And I think I found it. And it helped me. And I found it in considering what it means to be frustrated. Now now put on your thinking caps, class. You are frustrated when you are being made weak where you want to be strong. Would we agree? You are frustrated when you are being held back where you want to work. You are frustrated when you are falling short of a goal because of an interruption. You are frustrated when you have power, but something is holding you back from showcasing that power. You are frustrated when you have strength, but something is hindering you from displaying that strength. You are frustrated when something or someone is keeping you from being who you could be. Do we agree with all that? Then here's the statement. How you feel living with your thorn is how God feels when you live without it. God said your strength would be made perfect if I removed it. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Living with thorns keeps us from being who we could be for God. Living without them keeps God from being who he could be for us. You are frustrated. I am being made weak when I want to be strong. You know what we're talking about? A stinking thorn in our way. If the thorn wasn't there and we were strong, you know what God would be saying? you are making me weak when I could be strong. The way we talk about our thorn is how God talks about you without it. We say we are being held back by this thorn where I wanna work. God would say, you are holding me back where I wanna work. We would say, I am falling short of my goal because I'm being interrupted by this thorn. God would say, I'm falling short of my goal because I'm being interrupted by you. We would say, I have power, but something is impeding me from showcasing that power. It's this stinking thorn. Would you remove it? And God says, I have power, but I am being held back from showcasing it because of you. We say, I have strength. Something is hindering me from displaying that strength. It's this thorn. Take this thorn away. God says, I gave you the thorn because without it, I had strength, but I was being held back from displaying it because you were relying on your own strength and not mine. Someone or something, God, is stopping me from being who I could be. And God says, yeah, I know the feeling. That's why I gave it to you because my strength is made perfect in weakness." Living without thorns, we know what to do and we have the physical strength and the mental capacity to do it. Living with a thorn, we know what to do, but we have to rely on God's strength and his wisdom in order to do it. Living without thorns, everybody around us is in our corner. Living with a thorn, he's the only one to encourage us sometimes. Living without thorns, no lack of resources. I know what to do and I have the capacity to do it. I have the resources to do it. Living with a thorn, you know what to do, but you will not move forward unless you rely on God and he steps in. That's what a necessity does. It makes you rely on him. Living without the thorn of of persecutions, no devil around to attack you spiritually. Living with the thorn of spiritual persecutions, you have to find grace in the face of the devil in order to move on. Nursery must be going crazy tonight. Don't worry about it. Focus in. Maybe the devil doesn't like what's being said. When you are living without the thorn of distresses, you, your direction and your destination are clear. Living with the thorn of distresses, there can be no progress until God points the way. So you just have to be patient. That helped me. Living with thorns, I'm frustrated. Living without them, God is. Living with thorns, the thorn stands in my way. Living without him, I stand in his way. Living without, my power exudes from me. Living with them, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Living with them, I feel I can't be who I could be. For God, living without thorns, God can't be who he could be for me. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities and take pleasure in infirmities, in persecutions, in reproaches, in distresses, in necessities, all of them. It's better for me to be frustrated than God. It is better for me to be weak than God. I would love to lose this thorn so I could do more for God, but I'd rather keep this thorn so he could do more through me. And here's the hard thing, church, that you need to wrap your mind around. I was talking to my wife about this, and I, and I was telling her, and guess what? And I'm not, I'm not saying it to be mean or rude or anything. She didn't agree. She's, she's, it's not that she didn't agree. She said, but certainly God doesn't like it when we're frustrated. And I said, why do you say that? Well, certainly God doesn't always want us to have a thorn in the flesh. Why do you say that? That's, that's very sentimental, but it's not scriptural. In fact, you need to come to the conclusion that God would rather put a thorn in your flesh that humbles you. He is more willing to give thorns that make us rely on him than just let our pride run wild to our own destruction. I challenge you to read Psalm 107. Psalm 107, you read about these people who were delivered from horrible situations. You read about a prisoner that was freed. You read read about a sick person who is healed. You read about somebody who is in, uh, almost in shipwreck that is led into a desired haven. And then you read that God is in control of it all. And the last verse says you need to understand what the loving kindness of God is. And when you take the entire chapter together, you have to come to the conclusion that the reason that ship was almost in shipwreck is because God allowed the storm. God allowed the storm so that they called out to him so that he could save them. And it was his loving kindness that did that. I would ra- I love them too much. I would rather send a storm that makes them rely on me then let them sail in clear weather that makes them rely on themselves because I know where that's going to end. Sending a storm that makes them rely ends in a haven. Sending no storm that allows them to rely on themselves, they're going to sink. And I love them too much not to send the storm. Putting them in prison will make them call out to the deliverer and I will deliver them. And I would rather that than let them run around free in sin. Do you understand that because God loves you, he would rather give a thorn that humbles you, that makes you rely on his grace, than let you go unfrustrated and live without him because you know how that's going to end. There will be times in your Christian life when you will know what you're supposed to do, but you will lack the physical and mental strength to do it. Infirmities. You'll know what you're supposed to do, but people will tell you you can't do that. Reproaches. You will know what you're supposed to do, but you'll lack the materials to do it. Necessities. You will know what you're supposed to do, but the devil won't let you alone. Persecutions. You will know what you're supposed to do. No, you won't. You'll have all the resources, but God won't give you any direction. Distresses. Straightened. Hemmed in. Paul says, take pleasure in all of them. Because it is only when I feel that I can't show God what I can do for him through my effort. It is only then that God is in the perfect place to show what he can do through his grace. My My strength comes when I am weak. When I am weak, then am I strong. Our frustrations are God's opportunities. Our strength is God's frustration. So I guess my question is, how often do we fight what impedes us? How often do we complain about what frustrates us when if it would be removed It would impede God and it would frustrate Him. How often do we seek to escape what God needs to work? How often do we want to lose what humbles us so that God can give us grace in order to actually make it through? We've got to shift our mindset. Living with thorns frustrates me. Living without them frustrates Him. And I'd rather Him be able to work than me. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.